touched on the subject of Larry Brown's superstitious ways. Well, Larry and his staff went to the same restaurant last night as they did prior to Game 5. They beat the Knicks here in Game 5 and ordered the same food. Said it didn't taste it then, didn't taste it last night. We talked with Larry about his superstitions. I've done a lot of weird things. The, the only thing, it's a little different than in college. I used to get a new tie for each game in college. If we lost, I'd never wear it again. And it's gotten a little expensive in the pros. Uh, and also clothes, you know, I'd, I'd change suits or sport coats if we lost. But, uh, you know, I'm a, a little toned down there. But basically, uh, I would consider myself slightly nuttier than Reggie Miller. Slightly nutty. Oh, it's over. It's over. It's over. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Quick, quick, quick. Strawberry banana. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love no plan here. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. It's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You, you think you're better than me? We are back on the line. Ben Craw, the New York Knicks. Indiana Pacers are headed back to New York City for a decisive Game 7. Ben, this is it. How are you? It comes uh, to this, Chris. It comes to this. I am doing great. Um, I I am pretty amped up. Uh, We're talking Game 7. A trip to the NBA Finals hangs in the balance 48 minutes. They call it the NBA's second season. In truth, it is the real And tonight, only one team can earn the remaining invitation to the NBA Finals. The Knicks were supposed to get there, and they started out that way, taking the first two at home. But when Indiana responded in kind at Market Square, the series began to take shape, tied at two. Still, it lacked artistry. It lacked theater. Game five changed that. Game five and Reggie Miller. The tension and drama continued through the Knicks' revival in game six. in their 98th game, 48 minutes from an unexpected achievement. And the Knicks, in this the 100th game of a grinding season, 48 minutes from what they were merely expected to do. 48 minutes, beginning now. NBA on NBC. 
48 minutes as the uh, extremely dramatic NBA on NBC intro narrated by Bob Costas reminds us. Just 48 minutes uh, separates uh, these two teams um, from uh, from a trip to the glory land. And um, yeah, um, I... I don't really know. I my my head is kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, me too. It's like I think at the end of Game Six, we both just didn't want to do this, mm-hmm. um, and we were sort of you know dragging each other reluctant reluctantly into yeah. Game Seven. Um, but I got to tell you, man, the you know after the NBA on NBC intro, the intro. after that um, that uh, that MSG you know laser intro, yeah. the music, the laser show, I I am suddenly feeling like I'm I'm just pulled all the way back in. Um, I I don't know how they do it, but I'm uh, I'm a, I'm a Knicks fan again. Um, and Amazing man. I know it's like against my own best interest to to do this to myself, but I um I f- I feel this kind of undeniable urge to root for my team to win. Yeah, it's so funny, dude. I had the same experience when I as soon as I saw the Costas intro, and uh, which we'll drop in here, and the laser light show, I was mm-hmm. just like, God, man, like this this is it. This is what we've this been. This actually, for. yeah. Like, it's funny. It's crazy. It's just like we somehow managed to survive what looked like a sure collapse in Indiana in a winner die, you know, decisive game six at Market Square Arena. And then mm-hmm. that brings us to today, game seven at, Mar- at Madison Square Garden. Series now tied three to three. And admittedly, man, I'm feeling like exhausted. I, I, I was oh, like completely gutted, spent. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was pretty clear from our last few podcasts. Like, what a toll this has taken on us. This has been the longest. I was going to say this is the longest series of my life. I, I like, I yeah. can't believe like we're actually at the finish line here it's a because slog. yeah. This has been going on what feels like forever. It's just interminable. <laughs> I can only imagine how our listeners feel, but um, <laughs> but just imagine that plus actually watching these games. I mean, I don't know what my mental and emotional reserves have left, but I'm willing to find out. Um, yeah. So here we are, man. It's a critical winner-take-all game seven at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. Ben, the date is Sunday, June 5th. Another Sunday game seven. Something about these Sunday game sevens. Yeah, what is it? Of course, we had a Sunday game seven in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, against Chicago. It to me, Um, it's there is something like religious and like holy, uh, obviously, about Sundays. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's like you know Monday begins the school week, and you just sort of like prime yourself for like like war or something i I, I don't know what it is but you're just sort of like like gathering your reserves for like the yeah it's like high noon or something yeah like the culmination like for some reason it it only it feels so much more epic on like a sunday during the day you know being a day game too feels like there's a different energy you know it's uh, obviously it's 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 big time like football vibes where you're like 
oh god, like it's one game. This one is game. it. This is for all everything. the eyeballs. Yeah. All the eyeballs in the world are on us. It, it almost reminds me of like a Thanksgiving football game, right? Like where it's mm-hmm. like no one's going anywhere. Everyone's just sitting at home in the living room watching, and we are on full display, completely naked for the whole NBA audience oh to watch. So we so have, extremely vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. We have Marv Albert and Matt Gukas on the call. Ben, let's hop into it. I mean, the crowd, uh, you know, just sets the whole tone, the whole uh, energy. Again, like, I think I wanted to go into this game as, like, a cynical, like, you know, husk of a human being with no feelings or emotions left um, so that I could, uh, you know, survive this experience without any sort of, like, emotional toll. Um, But the way the, uh, you know, our our PA announcer, um, Mike Mike Wolchewski, I believe uh, is his name, um, you know, the, the um, longtime MSGPA announcer, the way uh, he's announcing these starting lineups, of course, the music, the crowd, uh, there's a huge defense chant going in MSG before the, uh, the starting lineups are even announced. Um, the, like, the crowd is just roaring, and, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't not feel something here. I can't, I'm like... I'm, I'm suddenly like overtaken um, w- with actual genuine human emotion. I, I am still able to feel uh, human feelings despite being at least 60% race car uh, by now. Um, but like the s- small shred of humanity that I have left uh, deep, deep inside my soul is like reacting to this yep. moment, you know? Um, it's extremely fucking intense um i mean i think you made a good point about just like the packaging really matters too oh yeah oh this is where like it really nbc we haven't really unpacked our thoughts on on this enough and i don't even know that i have clear thoughts like my thoughts on this aren't clear enough to even form coherent sentences but like nbc sort of like rises to the moment and sort of like we are these like weary (laughs) emotionally drained fans and like somehow nbc sucks us back in it's yeah what is it the bob costas intro marvin gukas on the call just and and then the fans like you said the fans of msg are just like man yeah the arena is just like absolutely electric yeah Yeah. your heart is on your sleeve and uh suddenly you're sucked back in man like yeah despite how stressful the whole experience the whole series has been we are we we are back so um yeah yeah and of course, Chris, uh, I feel like this always had had to be the way we, we did it. Yep. But uh, it just so happens that uh, Game 7 will include commercial advertisements um, in, our, in our recording here, our broadcast, uh, thanks to the wonderful Pick and Roll UK account, um, which we should maybe quickly mention. So this guy um, is, a, uh, is a London um, kind of basketball fan. Um, we found out uh, not too long ago that um, we've mentioned a little bit here on the, on the podcast uh, in the past that he had this incredible uh, library that he had amassed of old NBA games, you know, full games, um, you know, way, way beyond just the, the 94 Knicks. He had games from, you know, pre- basically every playoff series from like the 90s and going back to the 80s. Um, like incredible, uh, huge collection. So um, like a couple weeks ago, um, and this is something that I predicted would happen thanks to my, you know, experience with YouTube in the past. Uh, all of his videos were taken off, uh, deleted from his account, from his channel. 
uh, just totally heartbreaking. Jesus. Luckily, um, because I was, uh, you know, predicting this, I, I was able to download all the uh, remaining videos that we needed to complete our little project here that we're in the midst of. Um, but we've since reached out to this guy, uh, and at some point, um, I'm I'm really excited to say we are going to actually try to have him uh, on the show to uh, chat with him about um, his his fandom, his his uh, you know uh, experiences as a collector, um, how he built his library, I'm all curious, that stuff. Like, so how he literally did this? Because I know he, I am too. I'm like really getting, really psyched to talk to him. Like today's broadcast, he was. I, I'm sure you picked this up. He was. He was taping a broadcast from Colorado. Exactly. Uh, like, That's something I didn't realize until like, the very end of the broadcast. I just assumed it was like, oh, NBC, NBC New York, uh, no. NBC4 New York. No. no, no, no. It's some random fucking Colorado NBC affiliate. Like, um, I, in my head. Which, is, which it, maybe, in a, in a weird way, I think maybe explains why some of the ads, like the, um, the Strawberry Letter 23 uh, Nike Barbershop ad, why that was uh, new to me, and I was like, why? It's impossible that I would not have remembered this awesome right. ad, but it's very possible that it just never ran in our market. local market, Yeah, um, which is really wild to me to think about. But it's anyway. so funny in my head imagining like this guy in the United Kingdom like playing with like bunny rabbit ears on top of his TV set, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he's yeah. like, I think I, got a, I think I got a stream here from Colorado in the United States. Yeah. It's like, how did... How did how did that happen? Or, like, how did that or work? Or he like, yeah. Or he bought it at some like yeah. you know VHS tape like tr- like trade show yeah, or something. Like, who the, the fuck knows? Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. like a basketball flea market eBay, if they have those, right? Like, yeah, maybe probably eBay. Yeah, yeah that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah, but, um, for sure. But without further ado, let us jump into the action. Let's do this. Okay. Game seven, tip off. Um, of course, right off the bat, this game is very weird and ugly. Uh, we get an illegal tip catch oh by God. Ewing, so they have to redo the tip. Or no, they just give it, give it to Indiana. The game starts out with an illegal tip yeah. uh, tip off, an illegal defense on the Knicks, then a like, jump ball after this like ugly uh, you know near turnover by Indiana, then another illegal defense on the Pacers, <laughs> and I'm just like, yes. Fantastic. Great, great basketball. Game seven here. jitters for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just like you said, off to an ugly start. Patrick hits a jumper. 2 0. Knicks are up. Um, Ewing gets fouled, hits 1 2 on the line. Now the Knicks are up 3 0. Mm-hmm. A quick two fouls on Dale Davis. Yeah, yeah, that's important. One on Patrick. Uh, and then there's another one on Starks. Ewing hits a, a drop step jumper. Six to two. Knicks are up with 9.53 left. Yeah, I mean, uh, not not too much going on. Yeah, just trading some baskets early. Uh, Charles Smith picks up a couple of quick fouls. So Anthony Mason checks in a little earlier than he probably would have otherwise. Right. Um, he ended up playing a lot, uh, very heavy minutes in this game. Mason, Anthony, oh, sorry, Antonio Davis fouled by... Uh, by Charles Oakley, uh, just, uh, you know, just fouls, mostly fouls, uh, a few baskets like mixed in, but uh, for the most part, it is uh, is just fouls, uh, what we've really come to expect and love from these two teams playing each other. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite basketball. little comments yeah, early on is that um, uh, Matt Gukas and Marv Albert are, are really hammering home the point that... Uh, how how just how under control that John Starks has been able to play this series, um, and at one point Matt says it's very hard for him, <laughs> um, as if he is like literally like a little child who can't control his emotions. <laughs> which you know, I mean, it's at some 
certain points, I, you know, I would say that's that that was accurate. Um, Man, there was a but, uh, there was a there was there was a shot that I sent you a photo of uh, last night when I was watching the game where Oakley fouls Antonio Davis. This is around twenty one mm-hmm. minutes thirty seconds. Oakley fouls Antonio Davis right on his sore right hand. There's eight fifty eight left in the first quarter. And NBC gives us a close-up shot on Antonio's ravaged hand. His just, like, Mm -hmm. mangled, presumably, like, broken (laughs) fingers. Several broken bones from going from mid-forearm to the tip of his fingers. (laughs) I mean, the guy was such a warrior, Ben. And, um, you know, it's funny, like, we've been saying, like, oh, he could have been, he could have been, like, such a Nick. Like, and, of course, I discovered in researching, the Knicks very much wanted him on their team. They courted him in free agency. Oh, yeah. That that little, I forgot to to tell you about um, that little sound drop that you you found uh, in our Game 6 episode. That was incredible. Yeah. They were just, like, like, delivering, like, packages to his door and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so funny to me because we kept talking about, like, oh, this guy would have fit right in this guy would have fit right in and of course the knicks were thinking the same thing but it was just oh god they wanted him so bad yeah. i don't really totally understand though why he was like i can't be a nick because clearly he uh, wanted to, like yeah he, he was you know we've we've d- well documented his obsession with charles oakley yeah yeah um, yeah i don't know well oakley left the team they they and they wound up joining forces in toronto uh when he was a sure, free agent sure. But uh, it was just really interesting to me to hear his whole thing that, like, he could never play for the Knicks, that, like, you know, these teams really disliked each other, I guess is the moral mm-hmm. of the story. But I, what I found really funny in the broadcast was they kept talking about how they were like... But Antonio Davis feels that the Knicks have been intentionally hitting him on the top of that sore right hand, and he keeps saying, if they do that one more time, he never finishes the sentence. <laughs> Antonio says if Charles hits him one more time on the hand, things could get really, like, things could get really ugly. Like, they were basically insinuating that, like, yeah. if the Knicks fucked with him one more time, he was going to start a fight, um, which, yeah. which I found. And that Oakley was likely targeting his injury intentionally. <laughs> sure. Like, literally, like, WWF style, like, let's work on that, on that bad elbow. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's let's put it in some, you know, some, some, uh, you know, arm holds yeah, and stuff. Let's see if we can get this guy to break. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I have our first commercial break here, Ben. Oh, wait. Sorry. But there's actually a commercial. Our, our actual first commercial is mm. before the game even begins. Oh, that's right. um, uh, not too much going on here, but I, I really have to, uh, I feel obliged to remark on this, um, the uh, the paying for quality ad. Yeah, it's a uh, sexy spot the, for Acura. Go ahead. Oh, my God. I like Every time I hear this ad, I just get I more mean, turned on. I'm I'm like 99% sure it's Billy Zane uh doing doing the voiceover work. I'll see Just... if I can uh yeah, fact check that. I've come to see the door to this world. This world has been connected. Tied to the darkness. Soon to be completely eclipsed for quality. You do not be a difficult decision at first. Lies beyond the door. There is so very much to learn. You can get to the statues of little. 
meaningless effort. Some things are worth the price. One who knows nothing can understand nothing. Know this. The heart that is strong and true shall win the Keyblade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's like literally like like making love to our eardrums uh, with this VO work. He is, I don't know exactly know what he's talking about. I guess it's like a luxury automobile commercial, but right. that we're, we're looking at diamond necklaces, mm-hmm. um, some extremely uh, high-priced escorts, it seems like, uh, <laughs> yeah. fancy dinners. I mean, I just want to like be a part of that world somehow. Yeah. I mean, while we're while we're on that commercial break, we could also talk about there was there's a shell spot, shell gasoline. We have we have a dancing car. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the dancing car. I I wanted that off my screen I, I immediately. Could take it or leave it. Ben, for mm. me, um, these ice themed beer commercials are at this point giving me some PTSD. Uh, yeah, because at this point, anytime I see an ice cold beer, I am. I am ready for a Miller genuine draft hit piece. To me, yeah. When, when you I, hear the words yep. "hundreds of miles to the north" and "30 degrees south of zero, all I know is like all of these beers are brewed with ice. They're all very yeah. cold. They all claim to have invented ice, and mm-hmm. I'm just like I said. I'm just every time I see a beer commercial, I see ice. I am waiting for the Miller genuine draft hit piece uh yeah when is it when is it coming when is it coming i get a little yeah Um, a little jittery all right so let's hop over if it's cool with you to the other commercial breaks so at this point 26 minutes in yeah so the knicks uh or the pacers are leading the knicks 11 to 10 there's 6 30 left in the first quarter um i have a question man about this uh nike barbershop commercial between chris weber and alonzo morning yeah well young fella i got one year on you so i can call you a young fella my motto is there's no off season my body's my business i gotta stay an extra you know step above the competition mm-hmm. yeah you're right i don't want to sound like a grandfather no, right. like that. you know i'm dropping a little knowledge just a little bit you know that's been passed on from generation to generation to generation <laughs> ben how did this commercial make you feel um or, it made me feel like Alonzo Morning was yeah. yeah yeah Alonzo Morning was cool mm-hmm. like in the beginning mm-hmm. he was definitely cool when he was on the Charlotte Hornets right um, what is it about thought, Alonzo Morning that bothers me so much well so his whole like um, aside from the obvious Knicks Heat stuff right this is long before he he joined the Heat um, so this is back when he's on those great Hornets teams with uh, Grandma Ma and Muggsy Bogues. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was definitely like a cool guy. Like, you know, this is his first couple of years in the league. He, he came in in the 92 draft with Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and so he was like cool early on, but this is like only two years after, uh, he had joined the league and his whole persona in this ad spot, he's talking about being like <laughs> a, a grandpa, grandpa <laughs> yeah. um, and like dropping knowledge on Chris Weber, who's it's one like, year younger than him. You're like 21 um, or you're like 23. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. And he's like talking about how he like handles his business, how, uh, you know, he's, he's like, there's no off season for me. My body is my business. Like talking about just like wanting it and like working out, right. working everybody and right. just like being in the gym more than anyone. All the Jordan and, uh, stuff. And yeah, it's yeah. a little tired. 
tiresome. It's definitely a little, a little eye roll inducing. I would I say. I always feel like I'm sort of being lied to or sold a bill of goods <laughs> when he talks. Yeah, and frankly, yeah, like, kind of in the same way. Now on TV, I sort of inherently don't trust Chris Webber, or it always feels like he has some sort of like ulterior motive. Right, there's an agenda. There's a there's, there's a, like weird, a myth that they are yeah. that they are presenting. It's, but it's literally like acting. It's like why are you playing a character? Like you can just mm-hmm. like you can just be Alonzo Mourning. You could just be Chris Webber. Like we inherently respect you and think you're great because you're an NBA yeah. player. Like you don't have to like spin this whole like I'm a grandpa with all this knowledge thing. Like it, it's just yeah, yeah. there's something like very uh, unnerving or like I can't totally put my finger on it. But it was yeah, it's weird. condescending is what it is. Yeah. It's just like I. All right, man. Like, I get it. Like, you you take your job seriously. Like, right. cool. Like, right, you don't right. need to rub it in my face. And yeah, yeah. It's also very uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, um, yeah, uh, you know, is, uh, brought to mind by, yes. by these types. Of Great call. Comments. Great call. Yeah. Great call. Then we have a Honda Passport commercial. Um, a Sprint phone card. Remember phone cards, Ben? Phone cards. Yeah, with Candace Bergen. Yeah. My luggage is on the wrong flight. What the hey? You know, all my business numbers are in my luggage. It's going to Bolivia. How zany. Hey, who needs phone numbers with this? Call travel agent. One word, Arnie. Bolivia. Call Sprint for the voice-activated phone card. It'll change the way you talk about business travel. Um, one you... word, Bolivia. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have a phone card? Did your, your parents ever Fuck no. give you a phone I didn't card? No. Ha- know how to work a phone card? Wow. No, of course yeah. not. Yeah. And then we had <laughs> Old Spice High Endurance deodorant spot. It still bugs me that I waited to try Old Spice High Endurance just because I thought all deodorants worked the same. Dumb. This proves it's the best. Better than the leading stick. It evaporates less quickly. It also lasts longer. Protects better. You can't ignore that. Or this guarantee. Try it. If you don't think it's the best, call 1-800-PROVE-IT. And they'll buy you a stick of yours. You gotta figure anyone that serious about deodorant deserves a serious shot. Come on. Take the high endurance challenge from Old Spice. I did. I really like this one. This like this like bro in the gym, and he's like talking about how you know he used to think that all deodorants were the same right dumb <laughs> and it's like yeah and then he's i don't know it, again i'm like why yeah. oh and they have a 1-800 number 1-800 prove it um yeah well there's the old spice challenge and he challenges us to take the old spice challenge um and then says i did as if like he's better than us for taking the old spice challenge so weird which yeah i'm not really sure i'm gonna take the bait on that one so weird. All right, then we come back. We have a Larry Brown interview. He talks about being concerned uh, about the Pacers getting off to slow starts. We've always been slow starting in, in the playoffs, it seems like, and we are concerned. I think, uh, you know, we took a lot of pressure off the Knicks in game six. I, I think they had a lot to do with it, with their aggressiveness, but uh, you can't fight uphill all the time. And it's eventually going to going to get you and it grabbed us in game six even when we rallied and and tied it uh, you have to play perfect when you're catching up so uh, I think it starts with our guards defensively just like it started with the Knicks guards um, in game six 
This was a pretty creepy interview, of course, um, but uh, as a little foreshadowing, it would not be the no. creepiest interview that Larry Brown would give during oh, this game. We my will, goodness. We will be getting to that oh, later, folks. Oh, my. Stay tuned. Let's just All say. All I can say is stay tuned. Let's just say, folks, a lot of stuff is making sense. Let's just say, Ben, we were right. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. right now we were right. We may have we actually right. spoken this into existence, but we'll yes. be getting to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, all right, so we come back, and is it uh, Derek McKee at the line shooting to Patrick Ewing um, with a couple with a, his second in a row or second in a few minutes at least? A really, really nice little dime. This was following a, a, a very similar play where he dimed up Harper, uh, cutting into the paint. Uh, early on, Ewing uh, looking really, really sharp, finding his teammates uh, for easy buckets. And then, um, yeah, so we were just talking about Antonio Davis's like uh, completely mangled hand. Uh, it's like a uh, 11 to 12 now, New York. And uh, following the uh, uh, Ewing dish to Oakley, uh, Antonio Davis gets inside for one of his patented monster jam. lead by one. That's where he gets his knees up, does the uh, you know the banshee yell. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but he does like a Shaquille oh, O'Neal yeah. dunk, and I'm like, how did he do that with the you know with basically like one and a quarter hands? Um, but uh, yeah, despite the uh, the injuries, he's uh, he's still looking real aggressive early on. And then let's see here, yeah, a few more Knicks misses. Starks throws away an entry pass. Uh, Matt Gukas notes that New York spacing is terrible right now. Oof. Uh, which would, in fact, be a uh, recurring trend throughout the game. And then, uh, yeah, we get some more ads here. We got a McDonald's World Cup sponsor, a Mazda Millennia, a Hoop It Up. Anything here important that uh, we need to call out? Did you, Were you ever part of Hoop It Up? No, but I... <clears throat> Wait, was I part of it? Yeah, wasn't there a... a yeah, there was a tournament. There was, there was this... I know Billy, um, Billy definitely did it. Oh, and I'm that's pretty right. Sure my brothers and I did it. I forgot that it like was, there was like, like a kids. nationwide thing. Yeah, it's almost right. weird to me to think that there was like a non-kids hoop it up. I forgot that it was like a also like a thing yeah. that like, the pros were involved with. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I I think I remember the term, but then when I saw this ad spot, I was like, oh wait, this is basically just the big three, like 25 years ago. Hoop it up! The world's largest three-on-three basketball tournament takes to the streets of Indianapolis with Hoosier greats Damon Bailey and Steve Alford. Hoop it up! Next Saturday on NBC. Like it's they just had like yeah. some former you know like college standouts and stuff, and guys that didn't quite pan out in the in the league. Uh, play three-on-three basketball. Um, right. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds familiar. No, I'm um, pretty sure. But, yeah, I forgot about the whole, like, youth element of it. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I played with, like, I had a team with, like, uh, my brother and, like, one of our friends from up the street. And uh, and, and Steve Urkel yep. and, Larry, and Larry Johnson. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um, one other note I was just going to say <laughs> real quick. Uh, I, this is right around the time where I started to get a little uh, unnerved, Chris, because... Uh, during this break, we get a uh, one of those uh, new millennia commercials. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, time passes, things improve. Time passes, things improve. In the new millennia, you'll find a luxury sedan with a suspension more sophisticated than BMWs. 
body panels that fit 20% tighter than the new Mercedes C-Class and even straighter than a Lexus ES300, all at a price starting at $26,000. Time passes, things improve. The new millennia from Mazda. And I'm thinking to myself, mm, Mazda Millennia, okay, sure, but I'm right. really not loving the fact that we have yet to hear from Mitsubishi. Yeah. Uh, we're now, you know, a good half hour into our broadcast here. We've got we've gone through three or four ad breaks. No sign of the Gallant, and I'm starting to get a little worried. Uh, I gotta say, and... I don't think it's an accident that the series... I feel like the moment the series became incredibly distressing for us was mm-hmm. also the moment the Gallant sort of dropped out of our life. Like, Disappeared, exactly. Like, yep. there is a direct correlation to us being unhinged and the Gallant 100%. disappearing. And, yeah. um, you know, whatever. Like, Pick and Roll UK did the best he could by delivering us these videos. But, like, without a doubt, we've missed the Gallant in a major way. And I don't think it's an accident that we've been, like I said, sort of unhinged. The Knicks have been struggling since the our favorite thing has disappeared. Yeah. Like, I haven't gone back and, and double-checked this, but it feels to me like every game that we've seen Gallant ads, the Knicks have won. Yeah. And every game there have not been any Gallant ads, the Knicks have lost. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sure if that's accurate, that's, but it certainly feels like that. That sounds pretty right to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So we come um, back from commercial and, um, you know, kind of the big thing I noticed, John Starks really looks good here. Starks, for three. Yes. Starks hits a three. He misses a reverse layup. Ewing puts it back, makes it 19-19. There's 146 left in the first. A little before that, did you catch that uh, Marv uh, talking about this report from CBS Sports that the LA Clippers had offered Pat yes. Riley the head coaching job and a piece of the team? Not according to a report earlier from CBS Sports, the Los Angeles Clippers offered Pat Riley the head coaching job and a piece of the team. And we asked Pat about it uh, earlier today. First he laughed, and uh, he said, add me to the list. Incidentally, the LA Clippers are denying that report. Yeah, so... Kind of a holy shit moment to me. I mean, they said, you know, Marv Mm -hmm. uh, noted that, you know, the Clippers organization denied it, and that Riley was kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, he laughed it off. Um, But uh, in my head, I'm thinking, this is the, the Donald Sterling LA Clippers... Clearly, clearly, um, you know, going after aggressively pursuing the, you know, the coach of Showtime. Um, And I'm like, how has that never been the Lakers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who, of course, you know, Donald Sterling was obsessed with and wanted to be like. Yes. Um, Right. And I was like, how is that not more well known? I don't know. Maybe it was just like he kind of went after every high profile coach. But um, but uh, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, "Whoa, that's that's definitely like a uh, a little Sterling trivia for you right there." Yeah, dude, but. and it also just like planted the seed in my head about Riley eventually going to Miami. Like, mm. I won. I I guess like, you know. I, I, I just wonder when did it sort of like enter into his mind that maybe it was time to leave? Because when did Riley when did Riley leave the Knicks? It was the offseason it was like, of when? Wasn't 95? it like two two days 96? after they lost in ninety in ninety five? Yeah, it was immediately following right. um their uh, their defeat at the hands of the Pacers uh when Ewing missed the, uh, the finger roll. 
Yeah, right. next offseason. Right. Um, he faxes in and his it was resignation. Like, yeah, faxing his resume. It felt like, I think it was like literally like a day or two after they lost that right. series. Okay. Um, so it made me think that like this was on his mind. Like that, oh, like, yeah. like he was beginning to, I don't know that he was courting offers, but he certainly wasn't turning them down. Um, well, he knew this was an aging veteran team that he had and that they had, you know, one or two good runs left in them. And then he didn't want to be around for whatever followed after that. The rebuild. You know, right. Plain and so simple. he was kind of yeah. thinking, he was thinking about his next move. He was thinking about, you know, going to a warm weather place, young team. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was really interesting to hear that report about Donald, Donald Sterling and the Clippers. I mean, God, getting a piece of the team, like I, that. That's yeah, that's like a pretty offers, big, I like, can't imagine that he just threw that out to everybody. I mean, that's saying like, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, like imagine you know, that sort of offer today, like that would be, it just would never exist, you know? Yeah. A piece of the team. Uh, wow. Starks hits another three. Yeah. Starks for three. It's a mm-hmm. 22-19, and Marv says, John Starks has this crowd going. Um, yeah. Yeah, Starks then draws a foul on, on Antonio Davis on the defensive end. And uh, yeah, man, Starks, as always, you know, could really be the heartbeat of the team, just like was the the emotional core of uh, of this next squad. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely got the crowd going there towards the end of the f- uh, first quarter. We've got, yeah, uh, about a minute left now. This is... Uh, kind of the end of the first um and along with him though we got to mention patrick who was just being really active um just prior to that yep. starks three to put them up three uh ewing had tied the game after starks missed like a kind of a circus reverse layup uh ewing cleaned up the offensive board put it put it in um and uh yeah he was just really looking Looking very, very aggressive, very active uh, on the uh, on the glass, um, and uh, yeah, Knicks uh, end of the yeah. first. Knicks lead it twenty four twenty three. At the commercial break, we say hello to uh, the Mazda. Yeah, Mazda six two six. Not uh, not really not really liking the looks of that. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, Mitsubishi, where are you? What's going yep. on here? Have we met uh, the Colonel Sanders before this, Ben? Is this our first encounter with Colonel Sanders and KFC Chicken? I don't imagine I'll always be the only chicken place in town. I got a feeling I'll be popping up like dandelions. But I think I'll just keep on trying to make the best tasting chicken in America. Different kinds. But it takes more than good chicken to make a good meal. You need side dishes that are just as good. Families are separated now. So they need something to bring them together. And some my chicken sometimes brings them together. Sometimes. If you give someone a good meal at a fair price, they'll come back to you. This was a weird one, for sure. Very. Black and white. Yes. Black and white, like interspersed with color shots of, of fried chicken. Um... At one point, Colonel Sanders uh, remarks, quote, families are separated now. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck are you talking about, real, dude? real, <laughs> like, plantation vibes here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, well, that is true of basically every commercial that features Colonel Sanders, who, yes. I mean, obviously is a slave owner. Let's be frank about it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I was just like, 
I was just very aware of it during this commercial where I was like, wow, I guess I never really considered that this guy like was a plantation owner or something like that mm-hmm. was his character's deal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I was, think so. I'm, I think that's. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly the subtext to all those, that whole ad campaign and, and character. Yeah. So weird that we just sort of like accept, not only like accepted <laughs> that, but that like he became this like lovable fake, like he was like this pitch man for like a product. Yeah. He was Dave, he was Dave Thomas plus slaves. Jesus. Yeah. What a weird, ugh, just very strange. <laughs> very strange. Yeah. What a world, man. Yep. What a world. Yep. Uh, it's a different time. What can I say? Then we had the Universal uh, VCR Pro Universal Remote. Good evening, class. This is Learning to Program Your VCR 101. Step one, setting the clock. Press you don't need an advanced degree to program your VCR. Just the one for all VCR Pro, the easiest to use VCR programmer that's also a universal remote. Easy because it leads you through VCR programming with step-by-step instructions. Now buy a VCR Pro and batteries and get a $10 rebate. Or any select Flintstones video and any one-for-all remote and get a $3 rebate. One for all. The easiest of all. Yeah, I love this ad. It totally felt like it was from like 1983. It was a really weird... um, Yeah, there's like this like fake class, like learning to program your VCR 101... Like back when that was like a real hot, like kind of stand up comic, uh, like bit. It was like, oh, those VCRs are so hard to right. program. But uh, you get this VCR Pro 4 remote control. You get a uh, $10 rebate that that expires on uh, December 31st, 94. So you got to see the package for details, void where prohibited. Um, okay. Good to know. Then Good we have know. a Miller Lite full contact golf. You know about this. Count one. it. Got to have one every game. Yeah, you get a free T-shirt and a can of beer. You know, zzz. it's a can of beer with a T-shirt inside Put of it. Put me to sleep already. I mean, like enough with the full contact golf. I'm here for a basketball game, and yeah. uh, and then I've seen seen it, been there. Yeah, I think that is it on the commercial front. Then we are back at Madison Square Garden for quarter two. Um, Ben, anything you want to call out here? Let's try to get to halftime in the third quarter as quickly as possible. But Yeah, we can move things yeah. along here. They flash a quick quote, quote by Reggie Miller before game six. Quote, we can't go back to the garden. If we don't get it done at home, we know it's over. We can't go back to the garden. If we don't get it done at home, we know it's over. Wow, man. Um, but, of course, uh, Larry Brown kind of walked that back afterwards, saying that Reggie was just trying to motivate his team prior to game six. Um, but I thought that was kind of a uh, interesting quote yeah, there. Inter- um, and, and then a, 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 an important tidbit we hear is that Rick Smith has jammed his pinky finger. That's right. Rick got an owie on his pinky. Uh, he's on the bench getting that looked at. Right. Uh, yeah, poor poor little Rick. Um, he's gotta gotta get a band aid for that. Knicks and Pacers just kind of trading baskets here. Byron Scott seems to be heating up. Ben. Ooh, yeah, Byron Scott starting to catch fire for sure off the bench. Um, we've talked about him in the past. Um, you know, clearly his his glory days uh, on those Laker championship teams are well behind him. But uh, but he is. Um, Coming up big in a uh, in a pretty big moment here. Um, suddenly looking like the uh, the Byron Scott of old, and uh, yeah, a little concerning, I would say. Yeah. But um, but meanwhile, Patrick Ewing just continuing to snap up offensive rebounds. Um, about nine thirty left in the quarter, uh, he does uh, does it again. Anthony for three.
Uh, Knicks are up now, twenty-eight to twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Um, goes down. Uh, let's see. Draws a foul on Smiths. That's his second. We get some more ads. Yep. Nissan Maxima. We get a Bill Gates for Nasdaq. It is said he is to computer software what Thomas Edison is to the light bulb. The software Bill Gates developed runs two-thirds of the computers in the world. And on the day he turned 36, his company, Microsoft, was bigger than Xerox, Kodak, and McDonald's. Where in today's world do you find companies capable of such astonishing growth? Actually, there's a list of them printed every day. NASDAQ, the stock market for the next hundred years. Of course, we have the Miller Genuine Draft, get out of the old into the cold. I'm very, you know, sus- I'm a little suspicious of, of, of that one right there. And then mm. uh, we have the Flintstones. They're doing different, uh, what is it, different errors of the NBA. Uh, yeah, this is very, very tiresome Flintstones uh, NBA. They're really selling us the crossover. Flintstones. Yeah. Yeah. Fl- I'm like, uh, just go give away. it a rest. It's really. And then we come back um, with the celebrity row here, Ben, of uh, Bill Murray, uh, mm-hmm. John Lovitz. Uh, mm. Of course, it wouldn't be a Knicks game without Woody Allen and Sunyi. Um, yeah, Woody looking fucking miserable sitting next to Sunyi as always. I feel like he every time they showed him, he was just like sitting there looking extremely bored. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, yeah. Then we have Maury Povich, of course. We have uh, John Thompson never misses a uh, an opportunity to watch Patrick, his Georgetown Hoya, Patrick Ewing, and of course, uh, of course Spike Lee. Um, yeah. So those are our celebs in attendance for today. Um, Byron Scott hits a big corner three. Scott playing the ricochet and hits a spectacular three-pointer by Byron Scott off the recovery. It's now 35-34. to 34. Indy is up by one point with six minutes left in the, in the second. Starks hits a reverse layup. Uh, 39-36 Pacers. Uh, four minutes, 47 seconds left in the third. Yeah, overall themes here are just that the uh, the Knicks are are just uh, absolutely dominating the offensive uh, glass. Um, and meanwhile, like so they're at this point, they're down by three, even though they have <clears throat> something like 10 offensive rebounds already in the game uh, after having four and five uh, in games five and six, respectively, total. Um and then, uh, meanwhile, um, you would think like, okay, well, when you dominate the offensive glass like that, you pr- pr- like have to like build up a lead, right? No, because Indiana is shooting sixteen of twenty three from the field I mean, at this point with a with like a few minutes left in the in the second. Absurd. That is seventy percent shooting. Absurd. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what on earth? Like, this is not a good shooting team outside of Reggie Miller. Like, they were not. A high field goal percentage team. Yeah, I mean um, Byron Scott specifically is just lighting it up here in the second. Well, yeah, he's on. Unco- he's like five of five from the field. Yeah, um, I mean, like it, it just makes no sense. At one point, you know, uh, he's having a huge game. He hits another jump shot. He hits uh, this ridiculous reverse layup. Scott looking for the shot. Goes for the drive. Byron Scott again. Byron Scott with a sensational second quarter. Maddie's pulling a Reggie Miller here in the second. Marv, please keep it in your pants. Yeah, please, Calm Marv. the fuck down, man. Yeah. I know this gets you real riled up, but <laughs> just try to contain yourself, John Marv. Starks hits one from downtown. Starks for three. Yes. John Starks from downtown. That's his third three-pointer. His 
third three-pointer of the game. It's now 44-41, Pacers up by three. And then we have a a commercial break here with uh, the Nike Barbershop. Once again, we see Chris Webber at the Barbershop. We have the Ryder trucks, the moving trucks from Ryder, the McDonald's McRib sandwich. Ugh, Rock Donald's. Something big is happening at Rock Donald's. Every time they would say Rock Donald's, I would just be like, fucking kill me. Yeah, stop it. Next. Back at MSG, Reggie drains one from deep, 46-41 pacers, two minutes and change left. Right, that's only uh, Miller's uh, ninth point of the game at that point so he'd been pretty well contained yeah. um but uh but yeah as we would see he would kind of catch fire a little bit right. at the uh, the end of the the half he connects from three um he's now four of five for 12 points it's 49 46 pacers 57 seconds left and man this last reggie basket just kills me man it's oh it's, yeah it's as the clock is expiring so reggie banks one in Stepping back, looking for the shot, able to swing away to Gold Glass. What a move by Reggie Miller as time has run out. Just yeah, as the completely clock. blanketed, <clears throat> totally blanketed by John Starks. You're like, he has nowhere to go, but he does this sort of like up and under move yep. and then kind of like jumps and double pumps Leans and then in. like, I mean, uh, it's such a like ugly, like kind of like awkward move, but it, because his body is like so long and fucking gangly, like he just kind of like forces his limbs into like a position that he's able to like kind of get free and Starks can't block him. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's, puts banks it in off the glass. It's basically like, like what? It's, not tr- fair. it's a trick shot or something. <laughs> like it feels like a trick yeah. shot. It's like most humans can't do that because their bodies yeah. don't like bend in half or you, you know right what I mean? because they're not Gumby. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we're at the half here. Ben Indy is shooting sixty eight percent in the first half. Reggie has fourteen points. The Pacers are up fifty one to forty seven. I mean, just a w- very weird, fluky first half. Uh, yeah, Knicks just absolutely dominant on the offensive glass, but Indiana shooting sixty eight percent. So you're just like, okay, this isn't none of this is really normal. Um, but uh, yeah, Knicks only down four, so um, you know it's feeling like it's well within reach. But we definitely got a game on our hands here. All right, let's come back into the third now. We have Patrick on the line. He hits one of two, so the score is fifty-one to forty-eight. By the way, Ewing had an awesome first half. He had eleven rebounds in the first half, six of them on the offensive glass. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he was just looking really strong, really aggressive. But uh, yeah, just a lot of like ugly Nick sequences here to start the second half. Indiana goes up seven with about 1040 to go, which is their biggest lead of the game so far. Um, oh, and then I have this extremely ridiculous sequence. Uh, John Starks drives in kind of out of control misses uh his drive and then he like hits the deck to try to save the ball and then oakley hits the deck uh to try to save the ball and then starks gets up and hits the deck again (laughs) and it literally i'm just like these these men are fish they're just fish flopping around um (laughs) on like a floor because they're there's no water so they're they're like you know dying of of oxygen (laughs) starvation and they're flopping around on the floor like fish um, yeah, I'm watching. Uh, this Miller right comes now. down. Yeah. yeah, he misses a three. There's an offensive board by Indiana, uh, which Smiths finally converts. Um, that leads to a timeout. Indiana's on a 6 0 run. They're up 57 48. Uh, there's 9.37 left in the third now. Uh, and it looks a little like 
yeah, this is this is not not going great. Another awful Knicks possession. Starks misses a layup. Ewing coughs up the ball for a turnover. Gukas speculates mm-hmm. there must be some kind of foreign element on that ball. Patrick Ewing can't hold it. Reggie Miller has problems as well. Finally, Charles Smith gets an easy dunk. It's fifty-nine to fifty. Pacers up by nine with eight thirty left. And then, wow! Suddenly, I felt things were really shifting. <laughs> So McKee misses a jumper, which leads to a Derek Harper three ball. And like, Ben, Mm, there's something about this particular three that really took some chutzpah, if you ask me. Like, there's plenty of time left on the shot clock. And he just like looks down the basket and drains it. I mean, it's yeah, fifty nine, fifty three. Pacers up by six with eight minutes left. Now we are hearing the chants of defense from the MSG. Yeah, faithful. some very loud defense chants going. Yeah, yeah. But there's something about that shot where I was just like, you know what it is like when like like when you're playing pickup basketball and you walk the ball up the court. And you haven't really set a play, and you just look at the basket, and you're like, I think I'm just going to chuck this right here. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not even Mm going to make a pass. I'm pretty sure I can just drain this from over here. And nine times out of ten, it does not go in. But Derek Harper, man, like, he just just drained it. A big, big shot. So it is 59-53 Pacers. They're up six with eight minutes left in the third. Um, And then then we hear from Gukas, Haywood Workman, and Derek Harper. Now they're jawing. get into the lane and score himself or dish off this time for whatever reason just launched a three really not the kind of shot that the Knicks are looking for lucky to get that one down as Harper continues to hand check almost like two boxers just poking away at each other and they were working taking exception Harper uh, is hand checking workman it's getting really physical out there between those two guys we have Oakley giving like a, a slight nudge or shove to Derek McKee <laughs> I love this. Out of bounds. Did you catch that? Yeah. Loose ball foul on Oakley. Um, and then after he fouls him, as McKee's kind of falling out of bounds, Oakley just gives him an extra shove to just like send him into the second row, um, which I really loved. He was just like, nah, I'm just going to fucking push you. I don't, I, I've already gotten the foul, but so I might as well just push you now since, um, you know, why not? I got to say, um, like, it was pretty harmless. I mean, it, def- it was definitely, <laughs> oh, yeah. It was definitely a shove, but also like, what what I love about this era of basketball is like Oakley knew it was a shove, McKee knew it was a shove, and no one cared. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like whatever. McKee barely reacted. He was just like he like smiled. He's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, Come and it, because the truth is like McKee's just going to do that to Oakley on the other end, and that's fine. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's, right, it's, right. it's no big deal. Um, yeah. So we have a commercial here, Chevy like a rock. This one, uh, the it was mostly a mute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no sound for that one. Yeah. Weirdly. 
And then Ben, what um, the hell was this Mel Gibson like commercial <laughs> of this hotel yeah. thing? It was like some sort of So this was a this was one of the most fucking mystifying things uh that I saw this entire game. First there was the movie. And now there's the card game. The Maverick high stakes card game. At quality, comfort, clarion, and sleep hotels. Good luck playing cards. Oh, passionately. Just get your lucky Maverick playing card. Pick a card, man. At any participating hotel, because in this card game, every card's a winner. Four checks, read them and weep. That definitely has potential. You could win one of over six million prizes, including six GMC Sonomas. Or you could win the grand prize of one million dollars. Asunda Gamoni. The jackpot's big, the stakes are high. Are you ready to play? Call 1-800-4-CHOICE to reserve a room where every card's a winner. It's a it's a promotional tie-in with the movie Maverick. Right. And it's kind of like, it's like a McDonald's Monopoly game. Right. But it's a Maverick, which was like a sort of like popular movie from 1994 with Mel Gibson the western, and right. Jodie Foster western he's like a card player um i don't know i guess it was like kind of a hit but like certainly not like a massive you know international sensation or anything like that but they decided to make a high stakes card game that you could play at certain Clarion hotels. Now that's like a hotel chain that includes like I guess like like Comfort Inn yeah. uh, and like a couple other ones, Holiday Inn maybe, I don't know. Um, but it's a very confusing. They didn't really explain like how it worked, but you would like sign up and like get cards and if you like got the right cards, you could win a GMC Sonoma. Um, or $1 million. <laughs> so, Ben, I don't um, really know what a pyramid scheme is, but I'm pretty sure that is one. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't like, I don't totally know what that means, a pyramid scheme, but like, that yeah. definitely seems like that could be what that commercial is about. And the confusing thing is that, like, when McDonald's would do something like this, it was like, oh, well, sure, like, people go to McDonald's, like, all the time, you know, like, yeah. some families would go to McDonald's, like, I don't know, every day, practically. Right. But this was only something you could play when you went to a hotel. <laughs> so, like, how often are how you, like, going to stay yeah. in a hotel right. where you could, like, rack up these prizes? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, again, the movie Maverick, like, kind of a unremarkable, like, sort of forgotten, like, <laughs> comedy western starring Mel Gibson so I don't know strange very weird so strange um, all right we come back with what in my opinion will maybe be the most critical defining moment yes of the game and 100% agree that is Larry Brown <laughs> talking about his superstitious ways how he oh, boy. and his staff eat at the same restaurant he says quote I've done a lot of weird things and then oh my god <laughs> Larry talks, Ben, about how he'd buy different ties oh and sport coats if his team Suits lost. or sports coats. After a loss, he would have to change his suit or sports coat every single time his team lost a basketball game. Ben, I would... That cons- sent a chill down my spine. <laughs> I, I would... Because... He says, quote, I would consider myself slightly nuttier than Reggie Miller. Yeah. These are actual verbatim quotes. I've done a lot of weird things. I would consider myself slightly nuttier than Reggie Miller. Do you have it queued up over um, there? 
Do you have it? Yeah, it's at it's at one twenty seven fifty. Yeah, why don't we both just give this a watch? Just, just so yeah. I think we need to cover our bases run. on this. Earlier we touched on the subject of Larry Brown's superstitious ways. Well, Larry and his staff went to the same restaurant last night as they did prior to Game Five. They beat the Knicks here in Game Five and ordered the same food. Said it didn't taste it then, didn't taste it last night. We talked with Larry about his superstitions. I've done a lot of weird things. The the only thing it's a little different than in college. I used to get a new tie for each game in college. If we lost, I'd never wear it again. And it's gotten a little expensive in the pros. Uh, and also clothes. You know, I'd I'd change suits or sport coats if we lost. But. Uh, you know, I'm a, a little toned down there, but basically, uh, I would consider myself slightly nuttier than Reggie Miller. Slightly nuttier. Than Reggie yeah. Miller. So, so here's a there's a couple tells here. Yeah. The fact that he says it gets a little expensive. Yeah, of which course is clearly, it does, Larry. <laughs> clearly a red herring to throw mm-hmm. us off the scent because he's making it appear outwardly as if he would purchase these different suits and ties and sports jackets with his own money. Mm. We obviously know that's not the case. Um, We know where Larry gets his suits and his jackets. Uh, He gets them from human victims. And it is only at this point, it is not, not until now, have we actually gotten a sense of the full human toll of Larry's, shall we say, recreational activities, extracurricular post-game nocturnal activities. We're talking about every single time one of his teams lost a basketball game, he would go out into the night hunting for a new suit. Now, as we all know, Chris, it didn't matter the body type or the size. No, I think he almost preferred his victims to be larger (laughs) or smaller than him. I mean, the I mean, larger it makes the, a lot of sense. The larger, the yeah, tweed, mostly larger the because larger I've never seen him jacket. in a tight fitting suit. Yeah, or just yeah. like an appropriate fitting suit. The larger the tweed yeah, jacket, no. the better. You know what I mean? He wanted that. I mean, it's a simple m- matter of you know, the bigger the victim, the more you know body mass, you, <laughs> body mass you have to play with. Oh. You know, the more flesh, the more skin. You get to do uh, you know whatever you, whatever suits your fancy sure. that night. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm, man, it's it was it it sent a chill down my spine like nothing I've I've ever heard before. Um, and I just I just thought to myself, I started screaming. God, I started screaming <laughs> as soon as this was playing on the TV. Yeah, God help those poor souls that inhabited those suits at at one point. Um, I mean, yeah, really really dark stuff. Um. I mean, I can mean you the fact that he just comes—he just comes right out. He just comes right out and admits it. I've done a lot of weird things. Yeah, like of he's not even—he's—he's yeah. he's literally he's—he's te- he's confessing to the crime right there in plain sight. Yeah, in, um, yeah it's, exactly. It's in plain in true in, in true serial killer fashion. He's like basically telling the authorities, like, I know that you know that I know what I have done, you know? So you haven't seen um, The Jinx, right? The HBO miniseries that I was telling you about, about Robert <laughs> no, Durst. No, I haven't. Uh, do, you, no. do you know much about it? But ba- uh, it, do- it doesn't even matter. But basically, like, this exact thing <laughs> happens in The Jinx where he confesses <laughs> on camera to, like, 
he doesn't he basically like robert durst doesn't realize he's still wearing his microphone uh oh, God. yeah he thinks like the uh the interview is over he goes to use the bathroom and he's still wearing like a hot mic and he starts like mumbling to himself he's like of course i did it of course i did and he like mumbles to Jeez. himself yeah it's insane it's literally insane but it reminds me so much of this larry brown thing where like yeah he's basically admitting on camera to yes i wear irregular size suits like i don't know the size of my actual sport coat that's because you know i'm a quirky guy yes i do a lot of weird Mm -hmm. things i would consider myself slightly nuttier than reggie miller yeah it's just superstitions it's just harmless superstitions you know yeah victimless crimes you could say my god my god all right Mm -hmm. moving on here um 61 53 rick smith hits a jumper with eight minutes and change left um byron scott then hits a pair of free throws it's now 63 to 53 the pacers are up 10 five minutes yeah. and two and three seconds left knicks have gone completely cold yep. in that classic uh inimitable yep. magical knicks way of theirs they are now two of ten from the field in the third quarter um after oakley clanks a long jumper uh, Mason down low. He tries a little fadeaway move that misses. Um, Mason's been pretty invisible in this game up to this point. I will say, um, yeah. Ewing called for his fourth foul um, after an over the back, uh, you know, loose ball foul, which is not great. But uh, but Pat rally to his credit um, keeps Ewing in there. This is now with about five minutes left now, there in the are third. Four fouls on Ewing, Starks, and Charles Smith at this point. Yeah, yeah. Starks is on the bench, I believe, at this point. After he picked up his fourth, he had to come out. So Hubert Davis came in. Uh, but yeah, Riley keeps Ewing in, which I got to say, I, I like bravo Pat Riley yeah. for uh, not taking your, yeah. your star player to the bench. Um, but uh, yeah, let's see. A little bit later, Ewing misses again. Knicks are just ice cold. They're now 2 of 12, I believe, on the quarter. Um, yeah. But Ewing remaining aggressive despite the four fouls. He rejects uh, an Antonio Davis uh, hook shot on the other end. Let's see. Harper draws a foul on Smith, so he has to go to the bench. Uh, and Harper actually uh, hits his first free throw, but of course misses his second. But Oakley tips it in uh, to pull the Knicks to 56-65, down nine with 4.20 to go. Mm. Reggie drains a couple of free throws, right? Six, a couple of free throws, yeah. 67-56, left. And then Ewing to Oakley, 67-58. Um, mm-hmm. And then Mason, we should say, uh, point out. Oh, yeah. Davis shooting. Mason again. A second and third effort by Anthony Mason. Yeah, I love this this whole sequence. Just like five, six offensive boards in a row uh, by the Knicks. Just absolutely dirty garbage basketball. Yep. So beautiful. Yeah, and I love Mason's reaction here. He's just screaming, fired up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, just like working for his paycheck here. And then, yeah, Mason finally collects the final board and puts it in right. to uh, make it sixty-seven, sixty. Pacers, three minutes to go. Uh, timeout, ad break. Yeah, then we have uh, the Miller uh, Godzillas. Uh, yeah, crashing the, the monsters invading the city, crashing the pool party. We have right guard, and then finally, Ben. The all-new Gallant brings thoughtful details to every Sound corner Sound the alarms, folks. These are a few of my favorite things. 
twin cup holders. We have a gallant. I repeat, we have a gallant in the building. The Knicks are on a run. Mason is fired up. And, of course, now is the time that gallant makes its presence known. Yeah, it's my favorite uh, It's almost thing. as if... Yeah, I, I literally gasped when this commercial came on. It felt like a momentum changer. It's a huge relief. It's a huge relief. It felt like... Relief. I mean, it felt like a slam dunk, uh, like in an actual, like it felt like the John Starks, like game two dunk against the Bulls in 93. Yeah. Um, it was like a, like a huge, huge moment. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the favorite things. Um, and was it the favorite things? I I believe it was right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm just, just so, so proud of, of, uh, of my gallant, I'm proud that they, you know, they they didn't panic. They didn't, uh, you know, force things early. They waited. They waited until the right moment to, uh, you know, to to step up. And uh, it really, really felt like a like a huge, huge turning. Yeah, point in we the game. know all about the Galant. I mean, the extra cargo space in the trunk. You have the trunk in the trunk. This is a vehicle, obviously, starting at you know thirteen thousand six hundred dollars um msrp you know a 19 grand uh excluding tax title and license and registration fee um mm-hmm. it's uh you know this 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 is the one folks like this 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 is this is the galant the vehicle that we've been talking about all along and here it is game seven and uh, it's coming through with a big time spot then we have um uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Jeff Bridges for mm. Blown Away. This Blown Away ad, really, really tremendous. Yeah. Um, you never saw this just movie, Just pulse huh? pounding. I haven't, but I literally wrote down, wow, this Blown Away ad, I really need to see this fucking you movie. Do. Um, you do. Because it just looks like, it's just a movie with explosions, just over and over, just explosions, um, and I love explosions, so I, I would really like to uh, to check this movie out. Tommy Lee Jones still around and making stuff? Do we know? Uh, around? I don't know if he's making stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, it wouldn't be an NBC game without the Michael Jordan RMCC Celebrity Golf Classic, Ben. John Elway, Dan Quayle, and over 60 golfing celebrities tee off when Michael Jordan hosts his RMCC Celebrity Golf Classic next weekend on NBC. Very excited to see if our friend Dan Quayle, Vice President Dan Quayle, can get back on the leaderboard at the RMCC Celebrity Golf Classic. Yeah, can't wait to tune into one of my personal heroes, Dan Quayle. Let's cut to Bob Trumpy, Bob. Yeah, the fans were exhorting the vice president to outdrive John Daly. And Mr. Quayle said, I have to stand there and hit him for a long time. That's a nice drive, though. Right center and long. Love to see him playing golf against the likes of, uh, of MJ, John Elway, of course, mm-hmm. another uh, great, great pal of MJ's um, uh, participating in that celebrity golf classic on NBC. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Um, back at Madison Square Garden, Vern Fleming fouls uh, Derek Harper. Harper hits, remarkably, both of his foul shots. It's now 69 to 64, 139 left. Knicks are within five points. Great defensive sequence here from the Knicks, uh, battling mm-hmm. for a rebound, and then 
Oh, is this when like six guys hit the floor yes. to recover a loose ball? Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Like literally like over half the players on the court were like on the floor during the sequence. Um, yeah, then there's like a jump ball on the other end after about like seven offensive rebounds and yep. misses. Um, just beautiful basketball. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know if you caught this, but Marv noted at one point that the quote, one flaw in Patrick Ewing's game is that he has very small His hands, hands <laughs> which I, uh, I never knew and kind of made me sad um yeah what he uh what he could have been if only his hands were bigger his hands were bigger um yeah yeah. and then um you know patrick must have had you know rabbit ears he must have heard marv's criticism because then on this next sequence ewing with an absolutely massive momentum shifting jumper and one yeah, the free that throw. big patented, you know, the sweep through the lane. Yep. Um, yeah, a little, little uh, kind of sweeping jumper. Um, his pet move. Yeah, and one big celebration. Yeah, let's talk about the chest Gets, bump, we get a, man. He gives Hubert oh, Davis we get a big chest bump. He gives Hubert Davis a chest bump, and like I am freeze framed on the chest bump, and <laughs> Hubert like barely like hubert is barely at eye level with patrick's chest like patrick is a massive massive goliath of a man and poor hubert davis is the recipient of this chest bump patrick with both arms splayed wide and yeah. he's hubert davis not a not a thick uh individual no. um not not a not a really uh, you know kind of bulky muscular type no, i would say no no um yeah and and patrick just like living in the moment man like game seven new york city here we are eastern conference finals he's putting the team on his back we are now back in the game uh patrick Mm -hmm. hits the foul shot it's now 69 to 67 with 30 seconds left this is huge yeah i mean we were down Knicks on a 14 14 to 4 run by the Knicks. yeah we were down 12 points uh at one point here in the third midway through the third we're now within two points 30 seconds left and this will this last play of the game uh, of the quarter here ben will sort of get lost i think a little bit but dale davis yeah nasty stuff massive dunk a massive dunk um put yeah it was it was uh difficult to watch that i was like whoa okay (laughs) like but like weirdly like didn't like it could have been like sort of a momentum like stopper um yeah but uh, but i guess because the crowd was already just so amped the knicks were back in the game it like didn't have that much of a lasting impact. Yeah, but no, yeah. we were Oof. back. We were at this point. We like it. We weren't rattled. So we end. We end the quarter. Yeah. Seventy-one, sixty-seven. Knicks down by four. We flash Patrick's stat line: seventeen points, seventeen rebounds, four blocks, four blocks. Insane. Boy, boy, boy. Insane. Ridiculous. And then we go to commercial Ben and raindrops on roses and whiskers. It's the Gallant, my friend. The we the Gallant is off back. With the Gallant, and I write Ben. This is a sign. It's a sign. This is a sign. Everything is gonna work out. I feel it in my bones. Um, I just feel good. I see that rose. The rose is in the little cup holder. Um, and then uh, the rose. those seats recline and my, oh my, am I feeling fine about 
you know, this game, our prospects, the cup holder goes up, the armrest goes up, the the seatbelts adjust, and then we see the price, Ben, $199 a month, 36 months, $1250 down. You can't do better than that, Ben. Um, I am fired mm. up. The Gallant is back. The Knicks are back. Uh, we, we have the two, we have the two, the, the dueling, um, airbags, the adjustable headrest and, um, I'm psyched, man. I, I feel really, I feel hope. I mean, like not to get dramatic, but here we are. Like I feel hope going into the fourth. The Gallant has arrived. It, it's just incredible timing. I, I, you know, need we remind folks the first half was a shutout. Uh, we had the Nissan, uh, Maxima, the Mazda Millennia, the, the Mazda 626. Uh, the they were 626. getting all, the 626. All, they were getting all the airtime. It was a gallant shutout. Um, and I was, uh, really, really worried, really concerned. Um, and now literally at the same time that the Knicks are coming back, the gallant coming on with a raging, raging energy. Uh, They have saved their engines for the second half. You know, they didn't panic in that first half as they let uh, Mazda and Nissan do their thing. They are now mounting a furious comeback. Nissan and Mazda are now on their heels. They're totally scrambling. You know, they don't know what to do. Um... And uh, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's just uh, you know I, I have in my notes. Let's face it, folks. The gallant equals the Knicks. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Plain and simple. Absolutely. Plain and simple. These are a few of my favorite things. Uh, ben, we have the the Mita the the Mita fax machine ad. We have a McRib. We have mm. the uh, NBA stories from the finals. A promo uh, uh, for that that which is going to be on NBC. And then Ben, this AutoZone commercial. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I noted this one. I was running late the other day when the car started acting up. A little light came on, it says check engine. You know, the one that always means a trip to the dealer, right? Well, I go to AutoZone, I tell the guy about it. He says, let's take a look. So we go outside, pop the hood, and he starts running some tests right there. Turns out it was just something little, but he saved me a lot. You know, if they can test this stuff for free at AutoZone, why would you go anyplace else? So, do you? Who is this actor? Do we know who this actor is? <laughs> uh, I don't. I wrote know. in my notes. I know that's not Papa John, but he's kind of got Papa vibes, doesn't he? Mm, it's very yeah, a little bit. It's very like polished and very like it's it's propaganda. I mean, I, I, or I, I mean, it's a commercial, so we can't call it any. You know it. There's a clear agenda being shoved down our throat. Well, it's weird, like, Hannah, how hard they're working here to set the scene. It's two men at a diner, um, and it's a bustling diner. The waitress comes over and pours a nice hot pot of coffee into his mug. Uh, and this one guy, and there's no, you know, sort of explanation for who these characters are. There's a couple of, you know, middle class, working class guys just, you know, talking about their lives, <laughs> talking about their days. Um, and this one guy is just telling this other guy, this poor fucking dude sitting next to him, who for all he definitely like, hates you know, him. He's like, I don't even could, know this. Could guy. very well just be, could very well just be a complete stranger, yeah. right? In in the coffee shop, who just had the unfortunate, um, uh, uh, you know, the misfortune to uh, to to be sitting next to this guy, and he's just talking his ear off about his recent recent trip to AutoZone. 
And it's like, what do you? Why are you telling yeah. me this? Like, this is not an interesting story. Like, he's just there. He's just like his wife is using the bathroom. <laughs> this poor sucker. Yeah, you know? he's just like this guy's just like trying to enjoy a fucking pancake. And the guy's like, yeah, my I had to take my car into the shop, and the guys at the AutoZone told me that I didn't need to uh, spend too much money. And they're just like, it's like this is not like, this interesting guy, in any way. This is this one time all week that he's able to get away from his <laughs> wife and kids. His job is like fucking killing him. He's so. Yeah stressed out tell all he wants to do stress. is enjoy his pancakes and coffee in quiet <laughs> and read the paper and this guy just won't shut up about autism yeah like i don't care about your fucking auto troubles no. like this is not I couldn't care less not conversation material yeah, like this is not the kind of thing you make small talk about no. it's like please stop talking to me go away i don't know you hey, go away you can't even drive you know for all i know it's like yeah oh and then um this is where uh, I see, we see the, the, the ad for the RTD bus. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. Riders out there in search of blue skies and wide open spaces. RTD invites you to be part of the solution. Get on board. I don't know if you know this, Ben, but so we both went to school together in New York at NYU, but I, right. I actually transferred to NYU from the University of Colorado at Boulder, where I went to school. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. I went to school. I did not yeah. not know this information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a transfer student at NYU. I went to school at Boulder for a year spent my freshman year in Colorado and whoa yeah and so I distinctly remember with your student ID you got a bus pass and it was called the RTD and I remember the logo of RTD so specifically in the same way that like I don't know like you'll just always know what the MTA logo on your on your Mm -hmm. metro card looks like right Mm -hmm. so that RTD bus logo was just sort of emblazoned in my mind and then I was like, wow, that's interesting. RTD, that reminds me of Colorado. And sure enough, I was like, there it is. It's an ad for the RTD bus system in Colorado. And I was like, oh my God, I think this is a Colorado feed. And then lo and wow. behold, lo and behold, the next ad is for fucking Bill Stewart. Bill Stewart, winner of the Emmy Award for Best News Anchor. Who won the 1993 Best News Anchor for KCNC-TV, NBC for Denver. I knew- Emmy winner I knew for it, Best man. News Anchor. I knew this was a Colorado affiliate. RTD, wow. baby. Yeah, it was just like, oh my God, this is all coming together. This is like blowing my mind in the moment. Uh, yeah. I was fired up. See, I didn't put it together until much later. I just like saw that RTD bus ad, and I was like, "That's right. weird. I don't, I don't That's recognize like that. It seems like specific. just like an odd like local right. advertisement. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, like it didn't really it like strike a chord with me. But it wasn't I was like, like a huh. New York thing. It was like RTD. What is that? No, it was certainly nothing I'd ever heard of. And I was like, I literally wrote RTD bus ad question mark question mark question mm-hmm. mark in my notes because I was like, what is this? Yep. 
Um, and I thought it was weird that it was like playing on like a national broadcast. I used to take the RTD um, bus from Boulder, Colorado into Denver. I didn't have a car freshman year of school. Mm. I used to take the RTD bus into Denver and I would go to the Denver Center and hang out downtown in Denver, see theater concerts and all that stuff. And that's how wow. I would get to and from from Boulder to Denver. Um, so yeah, oh man. I was like, oh wow, this is, Crazy. This is happening. Yeah. It's a chapter of your yep. life that I think I, I never yeah, knew about. There you Chris. go. There you go. Wow. So we are now back, man, for the fourth quarter. Um, Final quarter of basketball. Yep. Knicks trail by four, um, and there are 12 minutes separating them and a trip to the finals. Yep, 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 yep. Again, the Knicks have clawed back. They were trailing 12 at one point by 12 points in this game here in the fourth. Ewing now has 17 points, 17 rebounds, four blocks. And, uh, yeah, so Derek Harper forces a steal and kicks it out to Hubert Davis for an open mm. transition layup. It's now 71-69. Knicks are within striking distance, 10 minutes and 55 seconds left. Uh, yeah, Harper, Derek Harper really playing a great, great game. game. Uh, we, we talked about his, his three-point prowess earlier. But really smothering defense. Um, he was just all over. I mean, you know, using that hand check uh, to uh, to just uh, you know stifling effect, um, forcing turnovers. He had five steals in Game Six, wow. and I believe this was his second or third of uh, of the of Game Seven at that point. Incredible. Um, but yeah, um, really, really came, really, really showed up in Game Seven. Yeah. Then um, uh, Derek McKee buries a corner three. Uh, so it, well, okay. Does he now? Oh, Does oh, he? oh, yeah, no. He buries what looks like a corner three, but then there's some question about whether this was a 24-second clock violation. It seems pretty clear that it was. Um, oh, yeah. Upon the replay, um, this was a blatant, obvious, very clear 24-second sure. violation. The clock hit zero with the ball still in both of his yep. uh, hands. Uh, refs miss the blow the call completely, award him three points. Uh, so Pacers are up 74-69 with 10 minutes to go. And as we will see, those three points would uh, prove uh, pretty important, yes. turns out. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Then um, Mason gets one to go in the post. It's 74-71. Pacers up by three. We take a commercial break here, Ben, and we have Martin Sheen for the Toyota Camry. Ohio. Texas. Parts from 174 suppliers in 32 states. They all come together right here in Georgetown, Kentucky, in the Toyota Camry. Built by Americans to exceptional quality standards. With this kind of craftsmanship, all the pieces fit together beautifully. The 1994 Toyota Camry. And the music for this commercial spot is so presidential is it not i <laughs> dude we have the same brain i literally say in my notes do we think that martin sheen got the role as president on the west wing because of his performance in this ad I, because I which this feels to me like an audition to be the president yes i forget which came first whether it was you know i i forget when west wing was on the air i i guess it was after it was after this yeah. it was definitely after okay. it started in like the late 90s then that's amazing yeah. So we are basically getting the West Wing's Martin Sheen endorsing. Yeah, we're the seeing 
Yeah, we're this seeing Martin a, Sheen audition to be a pr- the president. A presidential endorsement for a automobile, mm. which is the Toyota Camry. I, for one, would maybe choose a different vehicle, but like, you know, Martin Sheen and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on all things. You know, this I didn't Martin Sheen endorse Mayor Pete? Is that it wasn't wasn't he like a surrogate for Mayor Pete? Does that does that sound right? I mean, that sounds right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the whole you know West Wing Mayor Pete uh, mind melds that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we have a, uh, a a very very presidential endorsement from Martin mm. Sheen for the Camry, and then Ben, here it is. No. Not another one. It's a no, Miller no, genuine no. draft. Can you oh, no. believe it? Can oh, you believe it? Me. And so, what's this no. one about? Well, it starts with a actually a college basketball game. So it's Kentucky versus Indiana. Um, and what was the gist here? This was the last time the Pacers. It's the last time that either team made the finals. Okay. So we have the Indiana Pacers playing in the ABA finals in 1974, and the New York Knicks playing, of course, in the 1973 finals. Uh, their last appearance in the NBA Finals. Um, and again, it's a Miller genuine draft, uh, genuine moment. So is it um, is it a positive thing for Knicks fans to be reminded of? No. No, it's not. Uh, no, this is, uh, this is old, grainy 1970s basketball footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, you know, be basically from like a completely like, it, I mean, it is literally from a different era in, in history. Um, and NBC is just uh, giving us that friendly little reminder that the last time that our uh, favorite basketball team um, was even in the finals, let alone won one, um, was uh, a time before we were alive. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's when everything, you know, dinosaurs were, they were fossils. I mean, it was just, yeah, just, yeah, it's just, you know, more of the same. And it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just like old, like kind of like, just gross looking footage it's very just it's just depressing it's just like wow that's uh i don't want to watch that i don't want to be reminded of that it's not good um and then we have to we've never mentioned this before but one more element to the um just like uh true depravity and evil and cravenness of uh the miller uh corporation is how they would uh, donate $1,000 to the Third Good Marshall oh, right, Scholarship Fund right. for every single Miller Genuine Draft moment. No, for every um, Nick embarrassment, they would donate, allegedly, $1,000 to Third yeah. Good Marshall Scholarship Fund. I mean, that just reeks of like corporate whitewashing to me. It's like, oh, yeah, we're look, look at us. We're not evil. We donate money to the Thurgood Marshall Scholarship Fund. Right. What, what could like, possibly be, you know, be, what, be what, bad? What could, and, yeah, and, what could be nefarious about our motives? Yeah. 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 Um, just bad. Yeah, really, really evil stuff. Yep. Um, McKee, we come back here in the fourth quarter, 74 71. 950 left and Derek McKee is rejected by Patrick Ewing. Yeah, Ewing's fifth block of the game. That's right. 
And then we have a big, big Derek Harper three. the game then huge 74 all uh 9-16 left in the fourth marv says Derek harper has come up big in the seventh game and uh yeah the man came to ball what can we say yeah and yeah. and marv is spot on there man like this is why we acquired Derek harper you know it was mm-hmm. like for a stabilizing force um, you know, in our episode notes, I put like a little background on the history of the series. And something that's important to remember about Derek Harper is he was acquired in the middle of the season from the Dallas Mavericks after Doc Rivers blew out his name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was that was like a major piece that we acquired, Derek Harper. Oh, yeah. And um, there was for sure like an adjustment, you know, like it was not it was it wasn't like totally smooth at first. And as we saw during the playoffs here with the Bulls at times in the pay and the Pacers series, like there were some bumps along the road. But Derek Harper is coming up in a major way here in game seven. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Absolutely. Let's see another uh, Ewing rebound mm-hmm. here. And then, oh, just an incredible that outlet pass yes. that he threw down. Oh, my God. just throws an amazing outlet style baseball pass right like he snatches right, the defensive right, rebound throws Harper streaking pass. down the court right yeah 76 76 74 um imprint you know Ewing's imprint I write is all over this game just like a vacuum cleaner just like ripping down these boards and then we have a, a commercial break here and Ben like I I can't focus. I see a Dr. Pepper on my screen. I see a rider moving trucks, a Dave Thomas for Wendy's. But bottom line, my head is just not in the commercial game. It's 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 on basketball. And yeah, yeah, these commercials are feeling uh, just meaningless at this point. Um, An impediment. Uh, yeah. yeah, unless unless it's a gallant, I'm just not. Reg- it's not registering it's, whatsoever. No. No, just bouncing off my head. And yep. uh, so we come back to Madison Square Garden. Hannah Storm tells us she overhears Larry Brown in the timeout saying to his guys, you're not playing to win, you're playing to lose. Mm. So, Which we all know what that means. Yep. Larry will be going suit hunting tonight. <laughs> yes, tragically, Larry will be looking for a new costume to wear this evening. Um, and then we have uh, Rick Smith gets fouled by Anthony Mason uh, on on the shot. Smith misses the the free throw, so it's seventy six seventy six seven oh eight left in the fourth. And Patrick with just an absolutely gorgeous drop step. Doing with a drop step. Yes. And the foul. That's the fifth hmm. foul on Rick Smiths. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, yeah, 79. Ewing just owning Smiths at this point. Yeah. Yep, he, 79, 76, 650. Yeah, he completes, completes the three-point play. And then, yeah, let's see. We have uh, Starks uh, driving in, dumping it off to Mason, who finishes. Starks comes off the pick. Mason. 
Nice little play there. Right. Uh, 81 to 7. Oh, Smith's answers. So right. it's 81, 78. Six minutes to go. Um, Byron Scott. Bum. Byron Scott. Oh, yeah. Again, again. Byron Scott. Yes. 17 for Scott. And the Nick lead is down to one. Pat Riley wants to talk it over with 5.36 remaining. 17th point it's now down to a one point nick lead 81 80 pat riley calls a timeout he wants to talk it over and um again we have more commercials here and i just i can't register any of this stuff at this yeah. point yada yada we get yep. a bron flex control a right guard clear gel doesn't sure. matter it's all Moving the same on. to me right uh starks takes it to the basket 83 80 515 left um, and then Ewing to to with an amazing amazing look to Mason 85 80 422 left that's Patrick's seventh assist and then Reggie uh, drains a three. Mason and a battle with Smith Miller three pointer and it looked like Ewing got a piece of it. Patrick Ewing um, and it looks like Patrick gets a piece. But uh, Reggie manages to sink it 85-83. And like we were talking about before, man, like the anxiety, you might know the result of the game, but like the anxiety just doesn't go away yeah. um, in the rewatch. Extremely tense, extremely fraught. Every single possession feels, mm. you know, just as cri- like life, life and death critical. Um, <laughs> and then Charles Oakley. Uh, oh, sticks yeah. One. Yeah, Charles Oakley sticks one from deep, but Marv says... Charles, hearing moans from the crowd, it's 87-83 with two minutes and 47, 40 seconds left. Yeah, Oakley's favorite shot uh, in basketball, of course, the long two. Uh, <laughs> really, really just uh, one of the best shots you can, you can possibly yeah. find. Um, Analytics but, people love Charles. Um, yeah. Uh, and, um, and then McKee, Jesus, Derek, Derek McKee. McKee answering with a back-breaking three. Eighty-six, eighty-seven, two ten to go now. Um, but Ewing answers the bell yet again. Ewing. Shot clock is running down. Uh, feels like almost like a broken play. There's not much happening uh, in, the, in that next next possession. But Ewing just kind of pops out uh, and swishes one over Rick Smith, who's a little slow to uh, to close out. Um, Putting the Knicks up by three, 89, 86, a minute 50 to go. And then, of course, Miller, Reggie Miller, answers yet again. Knicks up three timeouts left. Indiana three and a 20. Here's Miller. Yes! Reggie Miller cuts it to a one-point Nick lead. 88, 89, a minute 40. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, this is like beautiful. Ba- this is like the best basketball that's been played all series, yep. pretty much. Like yeah. these, this is not the type of of basketball that these teams normally play. They're just you know making shots. They're playing tight defense. You know it's it's uh, error free basketball. Uh, but then as soon as I write that in my notes, of course, Charles Oakley brings <laughs> us right back down to earth with a just disgusting display. <laughs> Fakes a long jumper, <laughs> tries to drive, and just travels with the basketball. Um, yeah, yeah, not not great. Charles probably just shouldn't seeing be. Seeing him move, man, was so like inelegant. Like, 
Yeah, like as good as he was at, at certain things, it was almost as if he had like a like a um, it was like an NBA video game where you had like a hundred points to distribute amongst different you know um, categories. So he like maxed out on like you know rebounds and defense right. and like diving into the stands and was just like a zero on like dribbling, running. <laughs> running. yeah, running, moving, yeah. Um, trying to trying to make any kind of like like shot in the paint like obviously like he would get like offensive rebound tippins and stuff um but if he like got the ball and was like and like had to like make a move to like get a layup like he wouldn't he would just like throw the ball up and fall down like that was his go-to um anyway uh we get a few more ads here there's a timeout with a minute 26 remaining at this point i'm just literally puking in my bathroom i I can't even take in a single commercial i don't know yeah it doesn't none of this matters visa power age blah 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 um smiths uh, uh, come uh. we come back at madison square gardens we have a smiths miss which leads to a starks air ball on a three it's under a minute now 89 to 88 we're under a minute folks nick's up by one and then a laser hayward workman Mm -hmm. throws a dart to Mm -hmm. dale davis And the Pacers have taken the lead once again. It's 90 to 89. Pacers mm-hmm. up by one point, 34 seconds left. Pat Ro- Pat Riley calls a timeout to talk it over. Yeah, so the reason why, so Dale Davis is wide open under the hoop. And the reason for that is because of Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller comes flying off a, a, a pin down the screen. Starks is like a step slow behind him. So Oakley is forced to jump out, um, leaves his man to uh just to uh to, to try to help on Miller who of course doesn't even have the ball but he's just uh that much of a threat that Oakley leaves him to help uh or sorry leaves Dale Davis to to help uh cover Miller um and that's what opens up Dale Davis under the hoop uh, uh Workman throws the laser um and uh, Ewing tries to challenge him but he's a, a second late um and that was actually a crucial uh, moment too because it could have been a foul on Ewing which would have been his sixth, um, but uh, but no call. Davis uh, puts it in. Uh, Pacers up ninety to eighty nine. Thirty four point five seconds left in the game. Timeout, New York. We obviously have a commercial break here. A couple of ads that just in one ear at the other. Sure. Um, and then coming back, uh, Matt Gukas reminds us the of the Derek McKee three pointer that was in fact a blatant shot clock violation. Um, which, uh, of course, if that call had been made correctly, but, you know, I don't know, whatever. You can't sure. get too uh, caught up in that stuff because, uh, you know, who knows how, how things would have thirty three. Yeah, 33 seconds left. Nick's inbound, inbound the ball to John Starks at the top of the key. He makes a hard move to the rim and just kind of throws it up. There's tons of traffic in the mm-hmm. paint. He makes an acrobatic move, throws it up. Pick and roll play here between Starks and Ewing. And of course, who's there for the flush at the rim, but the captain, Patrick Ewing. And um, 
I mean, what else can we say, man? Like the guy, the guy was incredible. It's now ninety-one to ninety. So yeah, this is it. This is the putback. Um, it's funny. This this is one of the you know the most indelible plays uh, of my of my childhood. Um, but of course, in my memory, I I thought it happened with like so much less time left on the yeah. clock. Like I thought it was like the final play of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was uh, Knicks uh, had the ball inbounds it. They inbound it, and it happens really really quickly. Starks yep. drives immediately. Um, you know, maybe four or five seconds uh, go off the clock, um, uh, and, and Ewing is able to, uh, to to tip dunk it home. Um, so after that play to put the Knicks up one, there are still 27 seconds to go. Yeah. Um, which I just like totally kind of forgot about. I was just like, oh yeah, Ewing, uh, dunked dunked in that rebound as, as the game winner. Um, but no, there was still a lot of basketball left to be played. Yeah. Um, so Pacers have the ball, 27 seconds remaining, uh, down one. Um, and of course, Reggie Miller, comes flying off of the screen, yep. gets open for a kind of a step back fadeaway jumper. I assume it's good. Here's Miller firing off the mark. Last touch by the Pacers. The four and two tenths of a second. But somehow, somehow, it's an air ball. Um, Starks is a step slow, kind of trailing behind him. Oakley comes out to, uh, to challenge him, and it's just good D, I guess. Um, or, you know, Reggie Miller just completely choked in the moment, um, and threw up an air ball. Um, and, uh, yeah, ball goes out of bounds, Nick's ball with, uh, you know, five seconds to go, something like that. So here's the thing, Um, Ben, there, there's, like you said, yeah, five seconds left, seven seconds left, something like that. And there are still nine minutes left in our stream. Yeah. And and in the, I had this pit in my stomach. I'm like, what am I missing? Like, what, what, what? could possibly happen here that I'm, I'm just i'm just nervous it doesn't make sense and, well mm-hmm. i'm extremely nervous i don't feel at all good um and then i start to feel even worse because the knicks inbound the ball yep. and john starks gets immediately intentionally fouled by reggie miller And at that point, Patrick Ewing and the entire Madison Square Garden crowd are celebrating yeah. like it's that's it, like that the game is over. And I mean, I, I get it. The crowd, you know, was was reacting. They were completely, you know, losing their minds. And Patrick Ewing was just reacting to that energy, feeding off of that. So he was like, you know, doing his his little gestures to kind of re- react to that. And you're like, okay, great, we we won, right? But I'm thinking, no, 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 no. The Knicks are up by one, yeah. And a foul was called to send Starks to the line, which means that even if he hits both free throws, which is by no means a given, there are still over three seconds left. Yeah. And the Pacers We're have a guy named Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller on their yeah, team, Jesus. and I'm like, this game is so so far from over, right? And yet they are celebrating like like they've just won and they're going to the NBA Finals. It was. An extremely upsetting and disturbing moment. And then something happened that I had completely forgotten about, just wiped from my memory. And this was really, really shocking. I mean, it was. let's talk about this. I I, I think this is pretty messed up. They call a flagrant foul on Reggie. 
They decide that the intentional foul that Miller gave uh, to Starks, the second that, you know, they, they, he inbounded the ball, that the Knicks inbounded the ball, you know, Miller rushed up and gave him a foul. It's a basic basketball play that is performed, you know, every, in every single close game. It looked exactly like every other time yeah. uh, there's an intentional foul at the end of the game. The defending player rushes up and puts his hands on the offensive player very, very clearly signaling, intentional foul, I want this guy to go to the free throw line to stop the clock. The refs decide, no, this one is going to be a flagrant foul. And uh, that was a that was it. That was the the call that decided the game. Because as I just mentioned, if Starks goes to the line and hits two, or if he makes only one, or if he misses two, Pacers rebound. They have still had a timeout left. Um, it's like okay, so then there's going to be a you know last second game deciding shot uh, by the Pacers. But literally by making that call, the refs just say nope, game over. Knicks go to the finals because. By calling a flagrant foul, of course, Starks gets two free throws and then the ball. So even if he misses both free throws, they would still have to intentionally foul again, yep. uh, the Pacers, that is. It was just like, oh, okay. So that was it. And at first, it made me absolutely enraged on behalf of Reggie Miller and the Pacers. Yeah, because let's face it, it was a terrible call. It's not a flagrant I, foul. <laughs> they replayed it multiple times. Reggie Miller rushes over and puts his hands onto Starks's chest, like like right on his yeah. sternum almost. Yeah. And they kind of like, as Starks is sort of falling back from the pressure on his torso, Reggie Miller's hands kind of like like scrub almost upward or like kind of like reach upward towards Starks's face. And then what happens is John Starks throws his head backwards. So John Starks flopped. He fucking sold it. He sold the flagrant foul. It was not a flagrant foul. It was very clearly not a flagrant foul. Should not have been a flagrant foul. I mean, literally in that situation, at the end of a game seven, uh, you know, deciding play, like you need to like punch or kick someone directly in the face for it to be called a flagrant. It's just like, it's, you know, the heat of the moment. There's under, you know, four seconds to go. Of course, it's going to be like an aggressive, like, I want to make sure that this is an obvious foul. Like, this is a very, very critical uh, play. So I'm going to, like, make sure the refs don't miss it. Um, and that's exactly what Miller did. It was just like a clear, like, okay, just so you know, this is an intentional foul, right? Everyone agrees. Cool. And then the refs were just like, uh, I don't know. Starks threw his head back. We're going to call that one a flagrant. And it was just like, oh, Okay. And at first I was so mad uh, and, and, and like, and like weirdly like unsatisfied. And then I kind of thought about it, Chris, and I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is perfect. Maybe this is karmic justice after all of the, the flops and the selling of fouls that Reggie Miller uh, had committed over the course of his career Um now, finally, uh, for once, he was on the receiving end yeah. of that type of, you know, theater. And uh, and guess what? It, it just so happened that in that one moment when he was not the one doing the flopping, but John Starks was doing the flopping, it cost Reggie a trip to the 1994 NBA Finals. And I don't know. In a way, it made me feel a little bit better. Vindicated. It made me feel like a little bit more kind of at peace with the world. But really just a wild wild moment and call 
Yeah, so I, I completely did not remember this moment either. Um, it's not a flagrant foul. There's no way that was a no. flagrant foul. Looking no, at it, again. it was not. No, Reggie is absolutely furious. He's screaming at the ref, and I understand. Like I understand why. I mean, and and he. Let's be real, man. Like I keep thinking about that. Uh, buzzer beater at the half that he missed in game mm-hmm. six was it? I think it was the end of quarter one or quarter two. I think, I think it, was, it was at the it, end of the first half time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he like there was like literally 0.8 seconds left, and he like literally just like flipped the ball. Like he like bear like the bear the ball didn't even reach his palms. It like just touched his fingertips, and he managed to just like flick his wrists. Yeah, and the ball still like rattled through the rim and popped out. Yeah, so it clanked right off the front rim, but it looked like it was got like it was going to be a goddamn swish. It was so like, like a perfect. This would this is probably the most capable three point shooting buzzer beating making like player in the NBA, Reggie Miller. Oh, oh yeah. And so like, if anyone really deserved the opportunity to you know hit that shot, it would be Reggie Miller. And on this moment in Game Seven on enemy territory at Madison Square Garden. And so I understand why he was so pissed off, man. But um, those are the breaks, I guess. And, you know, obviously the Knicks would get their fair share of bad breaks and bad calls too. Um, so I don't know. Like, and, and as you pointed out, like Reggie got tons of calls over the course of his career. So yeah, I guess these things all, you know, even out in the end, maybe a bit. I don't know. So yeah, I guess it all comes out in the wash. But man, that was a a really really shocking. I didn't remember the moment. moment. Yeah, I really yeah. didn't remember it. So Starks hits one or two. Yeah, and of course, <laughs> yeah. It, just as I like, you know, would have predicted, yep. Starks yep. missed the first free throw, of he did. which yeah. means that if it had been called correctly, uh, the Pacers would have the ball back down two, mm-hmm. uh, not even down three with a chance to tie or win the game on a last second shot. Incredible. Like in a way, I'm almost kind of upset more that we didn't get like we were denied that moment yeah Yeah. um because it would have been like you know i don't know Uh, like it's not like i want anything more to like add to the fucking legend and myth of reggie miller um but man like after that uh after the entire series after everything that we've all been through like (laughs) to have game seven end on a last second three-pointer would have been um you know pretty um pretty poetic i guess but uh but hey that's why this is basketball and things happen. Um, and uh, yeah, so Starks makes one of two. We get another ad break. Um, we get a gut be gone. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, and this was the ad break where I actually finally realized, we oh, wait a second. Win. This is not a New York. Well, that we were going to win and also that it was um, a Colorado uh, broadcast mm, because mm, they mm. talk about the Boulder Boulder, which was yeah. like a like a marathon road race. Um, I don't know if you ever participated in that as a... <laughs> I uh, but I know the Boulder Boulder. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um they talk a lot about uh, making news for uh, Colorado's most watched news station. Um, and then anyway, yeah, then there's like a weird kind of like break in the broadcast. There's like a little bit of black screen for a while. Then it comes comes back. And just as a little cherry on top, I get a, a gut be gone. Mm. Um, Roy just loves his. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we cut abruptly back into the game. They, I think we actually missed Starks getting fouled the yeah. second time. But but yeah, he's been hit, uh, fouled again intentionally with 2.8 remaining now, and this time he calmly steps to the line, 
swishes both free throws. Nick's up 94 to 90, uh, 2.8 remaining. Uh, Workman heaves up a desperation three that airballs. Oakley grabs the rebound. Buzzer sounds. And we're done. We've done We've done it. We finished. The Knicks beat the Pacers, <laughs> and the Knicks will be playing the Houston Rockets in the NBA Finals. Patrick Ewing has his arms raised in the V for victory. Reggie Miller is seen hugging Spike Lee and his wife. I don't wow. know if you caught that, Chris. Wow. Uh, 22820 uh, into our broadcast. We see Reggie hugging both Spike and his wife. A, little, a nice little group hug for those three uh, that had been through so much together. Um, yeah, we get a little post-game interview from Pat, from Patrick with Ahmad Rashad. Um, Look Patrick at Reggie saying, and Spike and his wife. Oh, my yeah. God. Did you catch that? Best friends, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're going to go celebrate. You know, they're, they're going to go out together, probably have dinner together that night. We'll laugh about you know, this later, yeah. Of course, Reggie has to satisfy his side of the bet that he made with Spike before the series, go visit Mike Tyson in prison. Um, you know, just fun and games stuff. Let's talk uh, about this Patrick and Ahmad interview. Right now to Ahmad with Patrick Ewing. All right, thanks, Mark. Patrick, you had a wonderful game, probably the best game of your entire career. In a situation like this, to be a superstar, you have to rise to the occasion. You did just that. Oh, yeah, you know, we were uh, running uh, plays for the jump shot, and I told Coach, forget all that stuff. Give me the ball, and if I'm going to lose, let me lose it. But I'm, I feel happy my teammates came through for me, and we are going through the final. You're on your way to play for a championship. Congratulations. All right, back to you, Mark. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, just like the end of uh, the Chicago series, you know, by now we've been um, just so calloused, uh, Chris, you know, I, you know we, we can barely feel human feelings at this point. But um, but I got to say this one, you know, just like against Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, something about this guy, man, Patrick, he just always makes me you know, feel things. He yeah. says, we were running plays for the jump shot, and I told Coach, forget all that stuff, just give me the ball, and if I'm going to lose, let me lose it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what you want from your captain, yeah, man. from your uh, from your leader. 24 and points, 22 rebounds, five blocks, seven assists. Um, staggering, yeah. man. Like, anyone that ever tells you that Patrick Ewing was soft never saw... Game seven, nineteen ninety four, Knicks Pacers, because the guy was a beast, a beast. Yeah, one of the great all time performances. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of forgotten because he didn't score, you know, fifty points or anything. But um, yeah, twenty two rebounds, eleven defensive, eleven offensive rebounds. Um, just uh, put the team on his back, you know. Um, and as a contrast, Reggie was two of ten in the fourth. You know, a, a stark uh, difference from his previous fourth quarter heroics. Yeah, that's right. He finished with 25 points, but definitely that fourth quarter did not quite come together for him. The flagrant <clears throat> foul was huge. I didn't remember it, but... God, that was, was such a stunning moment. Yep. Yeah, really, yeah, really wild. Yeah, one of those under-discussed moments. Um, yeah, no one, no one talks about that. Like, just like, oh, yeah, of course, like, happened. you know, the captain, you know, played the, right, play right, the great right. game, did the tip dunk, you know, yada, yada. But no one talks about that. You're call. right, man. We deserve to see whether or not Reggie would have hit the game winning or game tying three. Yeah, um, I would have. Been I mean, that call was as you know potentially as uh, 
you know, sort of momentous as the uh, the Hugh Hollands, you know, Scotty Pippen, yep. no doubt, on Hebrew Davis. no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Crazy. All right, man. This is wild. I mean, we've done it. We've, I can't believe it's over. We, we <laughs> I mean, did it's all. Not, we're, it's so far from over, but the fact that this series, this series felt so long. <laughs> I don't so, know. Maybe maybe Houston is going to feel like we have no idea what we're even like like what long means. Um, but but man, we I did will it. say we had a different relationship with the Pacers than yeah, that's any true. other team. That's true. Like the Pacers felt different than the Bulls. And I have to believe the Pacers are still going to feel different from the Rockets. Regardless of the outcome, it's more about the characters involved. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, dude, we're going to the NBA Finals, and it feels great. And I'm exhausted, and I know you are too. And we have built in, um, you know, we have a formula here. And as our audience knows, if when we go hard like this on a deep dive, um, we need a palate cleanser. Yes, yes, and we do. And Ben, we have something very special planned for next week. Next week's palate cleanser is going to be unprecedented. It's going to be, oh my gosh. let's say, a whole new thing. It's yeah. going to be a whole new thing. And, we um, are we are going to be giving ourselves a little treat, a little reward yep. for everything that we've been through. Um, uh, I think that somehow this is all going to feel like it was worth it. Um, but uh, yeah, I cannot wait. Can't. I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but right. this is going to be. It's it's going to be like um, the the thing that we deserve after going through what we just went through. Well, I'm excited for it, Ben. This has been awesome. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been a journey. Let's let's be real. It hasn't always been awesome, but no, it's been not. <laughs> um, it's been an experience. I'm glad we're taking this ride together. I'm glad to have you at my side during this journey. Um, we have vanquished the Indiana Pacers. We've vanquished Jeff Scalf. We've vanquished John Dillinger. I don't we, know what we're gonna do without these people, like in our lives oh they'll be haunting us don't worry they'll be (laughs) haunting us all summer um i will never look at john dillinger the same again larry brown will always make me nervous i'll always wonder where he got his glass frames um and uh yeah ahmad rashad will be there when we when we go to houston all these characters they they come with us now. Marv Albert. That's true. Marv Matt will Gukas. be there. Yep. Ahmad will be there. Reminding yep. us every step along the way of our of our failures, of our trials and tribulations. So, Miller Genuine Drafts will uh, continue to give us Miller Genuine Moments. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I believe we still have uh, quite a bit of our journey left to, uh, to take care. All right, man. Have a great rest of the week. Enjoy it. Take care. I'll see you next week for a palate cleanser that we really deserve. Ah, I cannot wait. uh, Let's face it, man. Then we got to roll up the shirt sleeves and head to Houston for the 1994 NBA Finals. Get back on that grind, baby. Can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you in a little bit then. All right, man. All right. We did it. Hope you guys enjoyed that. My name is Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at us at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find us on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. If you have enjoyed listening to the Knicks Pacers deep dive, the Knicks Bulls deep dive, um, it's a lot of work, but we really enjoy it. If you if you enjoyed it too, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show and stitch your iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. 
Have a great week. Stay safe. Enjoy, uh, you know, take care of yourself. And uh, I hope you're doing okay in quarantine. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.